Donald Trump and Ted Cruz campaign in Indiana. Will this state determine the winner of the GOP nomination? The Senate candidates debate. Club for Growth tries to influence Indiana voters. And the state Senate takes up immigration reform. Plus, did a candidate leave his phone at the scene of a crime? That and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending April Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Donald Trump brought his campaign for president to Indiana and the state fairgrounds. Thousands showed up to hear a speech that lasted almost an hour. It was interrupted several times by protesters, and each time Trump would yell, get him out. It was a rambling, disjointed, repetitive speech that nevertheless won cheering and applause. As expected, he addressed the decision by the Carrier Corporation to move jobs from Indianapolis to Mexico. You know, when Carrier that left here goes to Mexico and they want to sell their product across the border and no tax, no nothing. We're going to say, sorry, folks, we have a nice, strong border. We have a nice, beautiful wall. You're going to bring it across the border and we're going to charge you a 35 percent tax after what you did. What did Donald Trump accomplish on his Indianapolis visit? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV Statehouse reporter Jim Shella. Ann Delaney, the day before the Trump visit, carrier workers endorsed Bernie Sanders. How significant is that? Well, I mean, I think they understand who's much more likely to be supported. The irony of, of Donald Trump uh, attacking Carrier for doing what Donald Trump does. I mean, the hats that he's passing out at these rallies are made in China, and so is all of his uh, uh, clothing wear and all. I mean, the hypocrisy of it's overwhelming. He, you know, he comes here and he, and he fires up his group, okay, and, and, and he, he talks in cliches and generalities, and he obviously makes promises he can't deliver on, and, but he's tough and he's rough and his grammar's bad and he, you know, doesn't have a prepared speech, so he must be a good guy. It's, it's really kind of amazing when you think about it. It's a reality show gone amok. Well, it is a very different experience. I've been to a lot of political rallies, a lot of presidential campaign rallies over the years, and this is very different. It's a, it, a lot of people in that crowd have never been to one. It's, it's obvious. Yeah, I think that's part of the appeal. Actually, I think that the people who are fed up with the way things are going, who don't feel like government is responsive at all anymore to them, uh, are hey, he's tapped into that anger. And I think uh, that's part of the appeal that he has. And uh, he's generating interest. I mean, clearly, there's a lot of people who are showing up at those events who are supportive of him, obviously. But they think uh, he's a man that's going to do, or at least try to do, what he says he's going to do. So... Uh, and I think he and Bernie Sanders actually are probably driving 
some people to show up for election day that haven't voted in a long time or maybe never voted before. Early voting's double what it was four yeah, years and, ago. And the more interest we have in the primary system, the better. You know, so. All right. There is some irony here, though, that the people who support Donald Trump buy into that carrier message, and yet the people most affected by the carrier decision, the Steelworkers Union, wants nothing to do with Donald Trump. They've, they've had overtures, and they've rejected them. Well, I think if you look at the traditional relationship between uh, the union uh, leadership and uh, Democratic, uh, those who are seeking the Democratic presidential nomination, it probably has been, over time, more solid for, than the Republican uh, side of the equation. So I guess it's, uh, you look at Bernie Sanders, and as Ann suggested, there's a decades-long record of advocacy of organized labor. And, uh, you know, he was marching with Verizon picketers uh, in New York uh, back before that primary. Uh, he's not a new arrival, shall we say, in that issue. So I, I guess it's not that surprising. Um, although I'm sure people who are in that predicament and are seeing their jobs disappear will, will uh, cheer for any, anybody who advocates uh, some attempt to save their jobs. All right, one other interesting thing that you had to pick up there was the lack of Republican Party establishment presence there. <laughs> uh, there was one elected official who spoke, and it was State Representative Bob Morris from Fort Wayne. Right. Um, Girl Scout Bob. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. Good callback, Andrew, about five years ago in his uh, foray with the Girl Scouts and their cookies. People but, are going to have uh, to go back and Google that one. Well, yeah, we'll let them. Communists. You know, I don't think, it's just a clear sign, Jim, that there's that massive split between the Republican organization, the party that as it exists, and uh, this wing that's represented by Donald Trump. And here's the irony that I pick up on. Uh, and I think that both sides of the, the Republican coin on that are, are more or less, and actually Democrats are too to a degree. It's fascinating to me that somebody who wants to attain a political office does so by denigrating that very same office over and over and over again just to demolish the institution. And then they wonder why people are angry when they get into position and things don't change. Or that, that the, the, they, they don't have respect for that office because they themselves have shown so little respect well, for and, it. And he's a product of the media. And one of the things he did there is bash the media. He said he, you know, yeah. 90%, 80%, right. I think he said, are dishonest. Right. And, and, and yet we another... Know it's, not a, it's, it not, it's not a, an inch above 75. Well, but another <laughs> irony for me... Kind of made was, my point right there. Uh, <laughs> he, he has a very liberal credential policy. There were high school journalists. Yeah. There, yeah. there was a libertarian yeah, you know, blogger. There was there was a, a, a reporter from a gay publication. I mean, he's playing. But John John makes a good point on this. I mean, for years, going back even before Newt Gingrich, the anger that was stirred up towards the institutions, towards all the institutions of government by the Republican Party, helped help give the nexus for the for the Tea Party, and now it's out of control. Now that fire's burning so so hard, they can't control it. And they're looking saying, how did this happen? Well, they started the oh, whole keep thing. Keep in mind, too, it's not just attacks uh, that would erode belief or uh, confidence in 
government Any entities. Institution. Well, it's also the party itself. Look at what happened after the Colorado uh, primary when Reince Priebus, the, the national chairman, was sort of in the gun sights of yeah. the Trump campaign well, saying well, that this was all a distortion. So, Here in Indianapolis, he called he called the, the delegate selection process crooked. Rigged. Rigged. Yeah. And so, yeah. it's yeah, it's not just anti-government. It well, seems to be anti We should let Mike defend that yeah. since he's, he's a delegate. He's playing this, the media like a violin. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. The reason that he's successful with the coverage that he gets is because he is as bombastic as he is and calls out the media because he's tapped into that same anger of people who don't think that the media is fair. And so he's doing that over and over and over again. And your folks, your brethren, are showing up in mass well, you know, because he's good TV and he's good right. radio. And and so is, you're, you're, it's and, but, but also, and it's one, of the things, for him. one of the things journalists do is they pick out coherent sentences and you don't get any well, idea just, just how random his, his remarks are. Well, and that's why he hasn't had to spend a lot of money on television. Right. I mean, he's yeah. getting it all for free he and is. he's lambasting the people who are giving it to him for free. It's he, a beautiful system. He is buying television ads. In now. Indiana now. Yeah. He is. All right. A day later, Ted Cruz followed Trump to Indiana. The Texas senator talked with voters at Shapiro's Deli and then spoke to a state GOP fundraising dinner. I have to admit, before addressing you guys, I sat back and reflected on one of my favorite movies, Hoosiers. And I did a little Googling on quotes from Hoosiers, and you know, one of the best quotes is look, mister. They're two kinds of dumb. Guy that get na- gets naked, runs out in the snow, and barks at the moon, and the guy who does the same thing in my living room. First one don't matter. The second one, you're kind of forced to deal with. Well, I'm sorry to tell you the federal government has become the guy who's getting naked and barking in your room in your living room. <laughs> Mike McDaniel, is this cruise country? You know what? He's going to be competitive here. Uh, I think that uh, he's going to do well here. Uh, and they're running a good campaign. I mean, he's on a roll right now. I mean, New York, everybody expected Trump to win New York. So uh, he was good last night. I was at the dinner, and I heard him speak. The first time I heard him speak in person, I thought he's an outstanding speaker. And uh, I think going to Shapiro's was a masterstroke for them. I think it's, it takes him away from all of the settings where you you know everything's controlled and you can just be with people it's more like what you'd see in new hampshire or someplace like that and i think that's smart for him to do so i think they're going to be competitive but i think i think our state is up for grabs Kasich and with with cruz they're putting a lot of emphasis here he made two stops his wife heidi cruz uh had a a, a meet and greet with Republicans in Martinsville, uh, and then she had three more the next day. Uh, we're told he's coming back for a couple of rallies. Uh, yeah. he, he doesn't. Th- he doesn't stop Trump here. He might as well pack it in. So I mean, it's not surprising he'd be spending a lot of time here. And he was obviously sucking up to the governor. You know, he, in, he endorses Rifra. He thinks that's the right kind of line to draw on social issues. He talks about job creation. Doesn't mention we lost nine thousand jobs last month and the second highest state in the union to do that. And our in unemployment's above 5% and with 38th and per capita income, that's the kind of government he wants to see nationwide. We'll see well, how much attraction he has. You mentioned the governor. Mike Pence had a private meeting with Donald Trump, which the governor's staff tells us was done at the request of Trump. Chris Christie apparently came along, took part in it. Um, then uh, the governor had a private meeting with Cruz. Right. 
Um, was Chris Christie there too? Going to meet with Kasich. He's going to meet with Kasich next week. What's going on there? Is he asking for something? Are they asking for his endorsement? Well, I think a little of both. I mean, um, you know, I think it's good policy to meet with all of them, but I, I think it's uh, interesting. If he makes an endorsement before the, uh, the, the election, I'll be shocked. I, I don't know that you want to go that far out onto the limb. Uh, but, you know, people running in your party's uh, election, you should have a conversation with them if you're the governor of the state of Indiana. Um, it's fascinating to watch the uh, motorcades roll up into the uh, governor's mansion and, and uh, the meet and greets there. We, you know, you, we don't associate that with the governor's residence. And, so it looks a little Washington to me, but it's kind of an interesting thing. Speaking of which, we like to call it the governor's residence. Whatever. <laughs> well, you know, one reason, I think, for the vigor that we're seeing and sort of this, the enthusiasm and the activity is that while this primary is certainly primarily about delegates, it's not only about delegates. If you look at Kasich, for instance, who is mathematically eliminated from getting the necessary number of delegates He can only win, win on a second or third ballot. Can, and so what this is, uh, I think, is all uh, a secondary game, another level, if you will, of the chess, another, like, well, they used to play three, three-tier three chess on Star yeah. Trek or whatever. Uh, the, uh, I just, identified, I just identified myself as a nerd. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, her friend told me about it. Um, but, but part of this is momentum, the perception of being seen as relevant and being seen not as a loser in the final stages of the, the primary campaign. So, it's, yes, it's about delegate counts, but it really is about more. And that's why Kasich yeah. was benefited from his performance, for instance, in, in New York. Uh, we, I think we haven't seen Hillary Clinton or Bernie uh, Sanders Chel here. Chelsea is coming uh, this next week, uh, and I think Hil Hil Hillary, Hillary will be Hillary will be coming. Well, you mentioned Cruz's wife was here, um, yeah. and uh, Hillary Bernie will be Sanders coming. Bernie Sanders is and, on TV here. And, yes, Bernie Sanders is on TV. I expect they'll both be here. Okay, it's Indiana's not as, as important to the Democrats. This is do or die for the Republicans. If they don't stop Trump here, I don't think they stop him on the first ballot. Well, so we'll yeah, see. Yeah, decide. You get this crazy, wild-eyed socialist, then you also have Hillary, or uh, Bernie Sanders. No, so, <laughs> you almost blew the line. Yeah, yeah, you almost blew the line. <laughs> I almost trumped it. I'll take one of those over right wing. Yeah, we'll see. The the I Huns. bet you don't win Indiana. I'll take that bet oh, right we'll see now. We'll about that. Yeah. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question who will you vote for in the Indiana primary? Your cho choices are A, Donald Trump, B, Ted Cruz, C, John Kasich, D, Hillary Clinton, E, Bernie Sanders. Last week's question, are you planning to vote in the Indiana primary? 74% said yes, 21% said I'm voting early, 5% said no. I want to know who the 14 people are who aren't going to the polls but took time to vote in the Week in Review poll. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. The GOP candidates for U.S. Senate met in their only debate this week. Todd Young and Marlon Stutzman clashed on, among other things, battling terrorism. This sounds like a lead from behind foreign policy. This sounds like Barack Obama uh, 2.0. Um, you deserve a, a national security conservative to serve you in the United States Senate. And that has always meant uh, advancing U.S. leadership. And I wasn't going to follow President Obama's strategy. I believe that if we're going to go in and deal with the root of the problem, that we have to go in full force. That's a decision that needs to be made with the Council of the Congress, with the Senate, and of course the White House. The President has to lead on this. 
All right, the big story in the Senate race this week, however, is an AP report that said Stutzman used campaign funds for a family vacation to the Reagan Library in California. He has since repaid the money. John Ketzenberger, will that story do lasting damage to the Stutzman campaign? You know, it could. It goes to the heart of credibility, and uh, I think some of the criticism I've seen of, of the, um, the, the expenditures has been, look, he's just like all the rest. And, of course, his whole campaign is built around being the Washington outsider. So if that muddies the message uh, in a lot of people's minds, it could have some lasting effect on the election. In some way, those kinds of issues that come up are easier to explain, to, you know, put together, explain, and put a bow on it if you're the opponent trying to drive home a message than some of the more nuanced you know, assessments of issue positions and, and policies. I mean, this is an, an easier get if, if you're an opponent looking to score points. Well, and it's already being used in uh, social media and uh, uh, email pieces by the Young campaign. I expect they're going to hit this one pretty hard. I would think they probably would. It's uh, for Marlon Stetsman, it's unfortunate that this happened so close to the primary election. You know, if this were something that happened a few months ago and you had time to get around it and we'll move on. But when it happens 10 or 12 days after the election, uh, then you can take a real hit off something like this, and I think they probably have. Uh, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to that war that's on television. And right now, in the last two weeks, he's taken a hit on that, too. I think there's been a total of, like, 19 to 1 television for Young versus Stutzman. So... He's you know, making he's use really of his money advantage. Right yeah. yeah. Well, he's making use of his money advantage, and he's saying things that are clearly incorrect. I mean, he's 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 going to single-handedly defeat ISIS. He's going to repeal Obamacare because it's cost a hundred thousand people insurance. Okay, <clears throat> actually, it's provided insurance to three hundred and fifty thousand people. And if defeating ISIS was easy, it would have been done under Bush, and it would have been done under any number of different ways. It's just it's ridiculous because on this. I agree. He shouldn't have used money for for a family campaign. On the other hand, the person who's been fined by the FEC for not following the law is Todd Young, not Marlon Stutzman. He for failed a previous to race. Yeah, but still, he failed to follow the rules the same as he did with his ballot uh, accessibility issue here. He doesn't pay attention to detail. That's okay. for sure. Even though he is a Marine. Again, you can a Marine, tell a Marine, a Marine, a Marine. Yeah. Uh, that debate, was it enlightening? I don't know that very many people saw it, uh, and that's why I said the TV war is what's important now in this final stretch drive, because when you have one big public debate, and if you happen to miss it that night for any reason, how are you going to know? So there aren't enough debates to really make a difference anymore in these major races, and so the, it's all about the television. Well, we've had enough presidential debates on I the agree, Republican but we've side. Had one but, but, no, they, I understand but that. But they have been two hours long, and there have been a bunch of them. Debates this was, can make a difference. Richard Murdoch can tell you that they, they can make a difference. But the, that's because you, if you're saying something, if there's a gaffe or there's a statement that's perceived as outrageous, it's not necessarily the initial... election debate, John. It wasn't a primary debate. I'm just saying that you talk about the impact of, of debates. In and of themselves, they may not have much impact, but if there is a perceived gaffe, whether it's primary or general, 
I'm merely making the well, point that's that... that's true anywhere, though. Right. It's the secondary, the ripple effect that, that is Anytime per, per, perhaps more consequential. Anytime somebody misspeaks in the way Murdoch did, it's going to be replayed in the, in the paid media enough times to make an impact. Yeah. Uh, people watching the, the debate uh, made a lot of commentary about how Todd Young kept referring to himself as a Marine, kept referring to Marlon Stutzman as a career politician, lots of bud, buzzwords, but he's just trying to make sure that the buzzwords get into whatever soundbite gets used, right? Well, and that's the unfortunate nature of the debate <clears throat> process John was talking about the you know the gaff prevention strategies um, and and so you don't really get a debate anymore you get a managed hour where you try not to make any mistakes on one hand and try to get in the points that you want to make on the other hand so they make for really not very good television unfortunately well look who was it Marco Rubio who called out who did he call out to back for saying the same thing you know the, the punchline over it cost him no no it's Chris Christie oh, that's right Christie talking about Marco yeah. Rubio yeah. how quickly we forget it's a distant memory now <laughs> neither one of them are in the race anymore <laughs> the club for growth is spending big money to influence the Indiana primary it will run ads attacking Donald Trump and it already has ads attacking congressional candidate Kip Tom in the third district they are meant to be in support of Jim Banks. Kip Tom is on the board of a corporate group that donates to liberals, including Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid. And he sat on a quasi-governmental board that doled out corporate welfare while hiding how it actually spent tax dollars. The real Kip Tom? A liberal insider. John Schwannis, will those ads be effective? Maybe at the margins. I mean, you're talking about uh, now, granted, there are front runners in the race, uh, but it's a it's a long ballot, as you'll recall, probably one of the longest ones of any congressional uh, primary. So you're already going to have some fragmentation of um, of support, and so every you know a few points here and a few points there in a race like that could make a difference. Uh, again, will it turn on this issue? Probably not. Uh, will it? Could it? Yeah. Again, at the margins, have an impact, perhaps. Well, you got two state senators in that race, Liz mm-hmm. Brown and Jim Banks, and uh, Kip Tom is a first-time politician, a businessman. Um, uh, sounds like he's there's a reason they're going after him, and that's that he's doing pretty well. Well, one, he's had a long career there. Two, he's well known, and three, he's got money to, to do his own campaign. So he's he's been effective in that regard as well. Uh, and in this atmosphere where everybody's trying to paint themselves as an outsider. He doesn't have to work very hard to do that. Yeah. Who's going to win that race? I, I don't know. I mean, you've got wing nuts on one side, and you've got an outsider <laughs> on the other. I, you know, you get that many splits in the vote, and there's only one woman running up there. You, it's hard to tell who's going to. Whoever gonna, it is in that primary is probably not going to be good. You're going to have a Republican win that congressional seat regardless. I, now, right. That's a prediction. So, so, the, uh, was, but, so the, the primary is what matters up right. there. Um, that ad from the Club for Growth, I mean, they're, they're criticizing Kip Tom for service on the Indiana Economic Development Corporation board of, uh, where he was appointed by Mitch Daniels. Um, to call him a liberal for doing that may be tricky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, I, I tell you what, you ask, are these ads effective? I saw the one today for the first time where they're in support of um, of uh, Cruz to beat Trump because they say the numbers don't add up. I don't know if you've seen that spot I or not. not. saw it this morning for the first time. and uh, But what, I, what struck me when I read about what they were going to do, I heard them say, or I thought I read, that they were going to spend $1.5 million in Indiana on the Trump ad, the right. anti-Trump ad. Right. That's a lot of money in 10 days. Okay. Yeah. So can it be effective? Yes. And the fact of the matter is, with that chalkboard they've got in this ad, ad I'm talking about, where they talk about the numbers on that, 
that could be very effective at that kind of buy in 10 days. So they're putting a lot of money into this. It could have that, effect. Well, that, numbers they, have never added up, and it's never but, bothered but its importance. The question was about the commercials, and I'm yeah. telling you, that one... Before it's over, 1.5, isn't that a lot in that's 10 lot. days? But that's former, the tone that, former, that, former Indiana Congressman David McIntosh is the head of the club for growth. Do you think they're spending all that money here because of his roots? Or is, it, is this yeah, just coincidental? Yeah. Yeah, well, and if they know that if they don't stop Trump here, right. they probably don't stop him. And it's not even the tone. I mean, it's not the substance here. It's the tone. You can make anything. We can make Mike McDaniel say, Mike McDaniel was seen sitting across from... <laughs> former Democratic state chair, week in and week out for a number of years. <laughs> and if you do it with the right intonation nobody and sort of... That. Nobody would believe that. But if you, if you, if you have the grainy photos and so right. forth, it, it doesn't even matter what they're saying. It's like, oh, I guess there's, there's you know, Satan right. is among us. Look out. Finally, there's been a case of stolen campaign signs in Hamilton County. The victim is Rick McKinney, a GOP candidate for re-election to the county council. He reported three large banners stolen, and when he went to investigate, found a cell phone at the site where one of the signs was removed. The Hamilton County Sheriff's Department determined that the phone belonged to McKinney's opponent, Jeff Hearn. The case has been referred to the county prosecutor, and Delaney. What's the moral to that story? <laughs> keep your cell phone with you or don't take it with you. I mean, you know, it, it is just really interesting what's happening in the Hamilton County and Demo in Republican Republic. politics up there. Between there are two parties county in Hamilton chair, County. Oh, they're both clear. Republican. It's, it's clear, and they don't like each other. And it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how that all plays well, out. Is that I like mean, different from any other Republican <laughs> factions steal, across the country? Stealing right? signs has been kind of an art form for a long time, but generally you don't, you don't put your fingerprints all over that operation yourself. And you try not to steal the large $200 signs. Was it a roundabout? Because I'd make the argument. <laughs> I'd make the argument I was driving so fast about rounding roundabout my cell phone flew out. out. Oh, yeah. Well, Hearn, Hearn should make some kind of argument because he hasn't he hasn't spoken up yet. I agree with that. <laughs> he, he better he better go say he was investigating yeah. the theft of one of these signs. Yeah. We've seen some politicians say, pro, you know, pro, preemptively, my cell phone was out of my possession. I don't know what happened to it for oh, 24 boy. hours. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we've seen that work. Uh, uh, apparently, in, in recent months. Well, okay. We didn't have any questionable material on it. So this is <laughs> That's another question. Yeah, yeah. Wow. We're giving people a lot of things to Google today. All we can review for this week. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So. We can review for this so. week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash IWIR, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shello of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.